The following is an archive podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled, Put Another Pot of Coffee On, Homicide Stories. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Put Another Pot of Coffee On, Homicide Stories, uh, with us, uh, your friendly uh, Three Pumpkins Homicide Detective Department. Uh, we decided to start this podcast to give people an inside look on the goings-on of the homicide department and some of the past cases and some of our perspectives as we work uh, current cases of murders going along in Three Pumpkins, California. Uh, my name is Detective Marvin Mundy. I've been with the force for seven years here as a homicide detective, and I'm joined by two other great homicide detectives. Uh, the first one that I would like to introduce uh, to you, the listeners at home, is Detective Feta Stockwell. Detective, uh, say hello. Oh, it's good to be here, you know, and to all the listeners, tune in every week. We're going to give you, like, exclusive access, all the secret evidence, all the evidence we're hiding because it makes us look bad, anything. We're going to reveal it all here, I promise. And also uh, joining us here today uh, for our uh, police detective podcast uh, is uh, my coworker and a good man, a good detective, uh, Detective uh, Leslie Mariner. Leslie, uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Mundy. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be on a show with my two partners. Uh, got some fresh coffee. You know, you know, we each got our own pot that we're just sipping out here. You know, <laughs> I made uh, a, yeah, I we made just, three full pots. We we're sitting here just sipping out of the pots, each one of us. You know, it's we got three big old desks in here. We all got our own, uh, 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 you know, coffee maker drip uh, going here, and I'm just drinking straight out of the pot. It uh, it takes a little bit you of know, getting used to, but it's easier than pour, putting it, it in a it cup. It makes it a bit easier to dip your cigarette into the coffee. I wouldn't be surprised if we got to put another three pots on during the course of this podcast because. Uh, <laughs> We got a real head scratcher of a case we've been trying to solve. The easy to catch killer. We can't seem to catch this guy. Mm. We can't catch him. Uh, you know, I haven't really taken a look at a lot of the documents and stuff yet. I know, I, I, you know, I know well, this is we can't we're, really we're getting discuss, started here. We can't really discuss the details of the case. It's still ongoing. Well, it's well, also, a podcast, you know, it's though, isn't admissible morning. in the court of law. It's just a podcast. We're just having fun. It's not like, you know, we're not like talking to the press unless they listen. You know, it's it, the way I see it. Is it's Monday morning and we, you know, we just kind of got to work. So, you know, when you get to work on Monday morning after a big weekend, you don't always want to jump right into, you know, whatever you got to do. So I, usually I figure we I'm can kind of set up my, and do the podcast. Still nursing a hangover, probably. <laughs> should, should I should I go back and and re-record? I feel like I got nervous there uh, doing this pod. And you know, I never done a podcast before. So you think we should? Did I do the intro well, right? Think of or, it as like you, uh, recording. You know you know, some dictation for a case. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can think of it like that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I just, I, you know, I kind of get the microphone set up and I, I could feel my nerves sort of, sort, you, sort of taking here, over here. Take your hand recorder that we carry in the field and hold it up to your mouth. When you're doing the podcast next to the mic, it might make you feel more natural. Oh, you, you okay. might be jittery cause you haven't had enough. You know, money's funny today. when you first came out here and, uh, we didn't always work here. You know, I worked in Terre Haute, Indiana for many years I went to uh, detective school, got hired straight out of detective school to that um, to that department, and I worked there for about ten years. 
before moving out here about four years ago to Three Pumpkins. But when I was first out here, uh, Mundy here was still using a talk boy for all of his cases. You know, the one from Home Alone. Oh yeah. yeah, I like the talk boy. You know, I'd go on there. You know, you'd you'd get in this in the in the you know in your car, and after looking at a crime scene, I'd pull that sucker out. I'd go, you know, bacon, eggs, you know, mayo, avocado, rice. You know, uh, your avocados uh, have gone cr- up actually. Cru- you see that crushed tomatoes and whatnot. You know. And that was real handy because, you know, I could just kind of, you know, when I got home, I would just play it for my wife. And, you know, she'd write it all. She handles most of the grocery shopping. So you'd make a recording for your wife just to listen to to write down a list for her. You know, or sometimes, you know, I, you know, I'd, uh, you know, my wife's going to be home all day. You know, sometimes I'm working, you know, up to eight hour shifts here as an officer. Sometimes I'll leave, you know, the recording machine with her so she can kind of play it and remember what my voice sounds like and, you know, think of ways, you know, to. You're always changing you know, batteries. So you should just play thing, a, list of, a list of um, groceries on a loop to, to feel closer to you. Well, sometimes, you know, I'll leave personal message. I don't really, you know, I believe in like a work private life balance. So I don't want to tell you guys, you know, too much of what I leave for her, but I'll say sweet things to her. Like, love you, baby. Uh, sweetheart, apple in my eye, stuff like that. And so she can listen to that, you know, while she's at home and she's watching like Well, she listens to Kelly that and, and mistakes or, it for the grocery list. She's going to be looking for a dang apple of her eye at the grocery store. You know, I, I you know, I, 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 my wife ain't no uh, dim bulb, you know, so she, she, she's, she's going to be just fine. I don't think she's going to get confused Makes at a all. Heck you of know? a casserole too. Have you been to his house oh, for dinner? You know, she Stockwell. takes a mushroom soup and pours it in with the green beans and does, you know, she gets this. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, she gets the cheese on I'm there. She does Parmesan in it and stuff too. Oh, she, you know, she'd love to have over. you. And you got to give me at least like a couple days notice. I can have both you guys over. But when I, mean, I at first least two, met Monday, we were, we were, you know, shooting the shit. And I was saying, I was, we were talking about hobbies and whatnot. What do you like to do in your time off? And Monday said, I just like to eat my wife's food. I said, that's. That's your hobby? He you said, know, pork yes. Pork loaf, kind of meatloaf. And, you know, I get home, you know, she's got the recliner ready for me and I kind of sit down. She'll give me like a pork roast or a pork loin or, you know, Beer some kind of like tater tots. Yeah. You know, kind of like that. She just, you know, she's old fashioned like that. She likes to take care of me. And who, who, who am I to complain, you know? Who am I to complain? Because, you know, it, it, a lot of this job working as a homicide detective, you know, it can be, you know, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to be crude or use crude language, but it can be a little gross. You know, you see guys with their guts out and, you know, you see guys with their heads, you know, chopped off or a guy mm. just crushed by a car. Mm. I saw, uh, you know, uh, were you guys down at the scene of the uh, porta potty killer? Oh, he would climb inside the toilet. Really, really Yeah, he would really climb inside the toilet stuff. and he'd wait for people, whatever. Really but, skinny you, guy. He was able to fit through those holes every time. And some companies you know, he, thought maybe if you make this hole smaller, people can't be climbing in there. He'd find a way, though. He's like a cat. He'd find a way. Yeah, he'd slide in there. I mean, they're just sickos out there. And, you know, that's how I see it. I don't I don't like to judge these killers for what they do, same way they would judge me for what I do. So, you know, uh, I was at the murder scene, though, and, uh, you know, I saw a guy get, you know, uh, uh, he ended up, somebody was coming out of a porta potty and they got hit with a howitzer. You know, he, they got split on. From inside and there was the porta potty? Oh, yeah, him square in the chest, and uh, he had a hole about, I'd say about two feet by two feet, you know, kind of looked like somebody had drilled through like a Lego man and scaled it up to normal person height. 
So we see some gross stuff, and you know I don't want to be bringing that. Mundy, he shows up every scene with he gets these brown bags that uh, his wife gives him for his lunches, but he saves the brown bags and he gives them to the rookies to throw up into whenever they show up to a new scene. And I think that's really, I think that's really thoughtful. I think that's just kind of an extension of his wife. The recycling's on all the other way of our building, so I'd have to walk around the whole building. So I end up having four or five in my pocket at any given time because I don't want to make the walk. So I'll hand them out. I care. They're doing me a favor by getting rid of them for me because I just don't want to go all the way to recycling. And, you know, I can't throw them in the trash because they ain't dirty or nothing. You know, there ain't no liquid on them and that'd be wasteful. You know, I don't want to be that guy, you know. Yeah, then you would be the planet killer if you're wasting all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I came to uh, uh, I came here to Three Pumpkins uh, seven years ago. Uh, before that, I was in Mont Blanc, Missouri. Uh, I worked there for for ten years. More of a small time kind of thing there. It's a li- you know it's a little bit more. You know we didn't. Ha- I was working homicide there, and we didn't have any murders. So you know, I don't know why I left it. Really, it was kind of you know I you know kind of just showing up and getting you know coffee, going to places, getting free coffee. You know, that's mostly what I did, you know. Even if somebody did get killed, the highway, it was usually on the highway and they'd have to take it. I mentioned you know, so I, I wouldn't have to do anything. I mentioned I went to detective school, so I was never actually like a beat cop. Though. But like you guys, like what's your background? You know, just for the people yeah. listening. Well, you know, everyone's got an interesting story how they got into homicide because it's not an easy job. You know, it's, it's, it's a very unique calling. But for me, I would say I was radicalized in the late 80s by Scruff McGruff's uh, album that he did. <laughs> where all the songs were called like alcohol, pills, weed, inhalants. And, you know, I was a young, impressionable kid at the time. I bought that thinking, damn, this sounds cool as fuck, dude. Um, But actually, it was about how inhalants are bad and weed is bad, etc. And before that, I actually thought that drugs were good and that being bad was cool. Um, But then I kind of realized that like pill poppers and like nymphos and kleptos and stuff, they were bad and they should be arrested. And what happens with these kind of people often is they start off with this small stuff like being a nympho and then they try killing <laughs> and they're like, I might try to do a murder, you know? So it kind of, one thing kind of led to another of like, I got to stop the bad guys and I got to go right to the source. I'm not out there on the streets trying to just lock up nymphos. I'm trying to lock up the worst of the worst, the killers, and, you know? And, and a lot of what we do, you know, we're trying to, you know, if we see, if we arrest a bunch of, you know, girls for twerking. You know, it's just, we're just trying to stop you from becoming nymphos. And then they'll say, well, what's wrong with nymphos? And I'll say, well, then you're going to turn to pill poppers. And then they say, what's wrong with pill poppers? And then we say, well, that's going to, that's going to turn you in, into selling it. And then they say, well, what's wrong with selling it? And then we're like, well, that's going to make you crazy. You're going to get mad at somebody. You're going to kill somebody. So that's all we're trying to do when we're like spraying women with cold water to try to get them to start you stop you know, twerking, good, you A know? good way to get into serial killing is, you know, starting on drugs. Oh, you know, just a little bit of a... Yeah. And Once I you mean, kill a few brain cells, killing a person isn't that far off. Exactly right. You remember that guy that we that we uh, we 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 uh, snagged down in Greensboro a couple years back? The guy who's cutting off people's butts. I hated that guy. Remember that guy, Monday? You said yeah, he'd leave. The- you said he was maybe the funniest killer we've caught. And I, I mean, I disagree. Um, because we- I mean, well, when I got in my defense, when I got to the crime scene, they cleaned up all the blood, but they left the butt. So it was just like two. But well, do, you remember, smiling, do you remember what we found I'm on him? Smiling, do thinking you remember about what we found it. It was him? just two old, two old dry butt cheeks just sitting there looking at me. No, not a scrap of blood he between had, them. I he thought, had oh, that's just one of the. 
he had that Dr. Eggman crack pipe, which means, you know, the guy was using drugs. Did it make him cause? Did it cause him to kill people? I'm not sure, but I think there is a correlation there. I'm I'm laughing. Think I got milk coming out of my nose. Think about that. The butt, you know, because there's one thing is is because like the butt was dry and rested on the ground like a nude butt. I thought y'all buried a fella or something. Just had his butt sticking above the ground, and I go to kick it over with my foot, and you lo and behold, it's just a half of a you know ass cheek, just a so like two cheeks. And you know what I said? You know I thought y'all was you know playing a prank on me but apparently it was a crime scene i didn't even notice the yellow tape i you know i just showed up because i heard i was supposed to be there i didn't even see none of that stuff i thought it was a prank i mean we have a lot of fun as homicide detectives i mean we do or i do i try to well the most fun to me is when i lock up a sicko you know what i'm saying like uh do you remember the lindor lint uh that guy lindor lint the truffle killer oh yeah Mm-hmm. Well, it turned out he wasn't actually killing anyone. It was just that his chocolates were so decadent and sinful, they were comparable to murder. But I locked him up for a few years anyway, just to show him what's what. And you know what? He, he you know, he was making those, uh, you know, those chocolates in prison. He'd send me some every once in a while. Real nice guy, you know. I'd eat those, you know. Share. Midge would go crazy for him. She'd be like, "You talk to that, you know. You talk to the, you talk to the Lindor truffle killer." And, I, you know, I'd be like, all right, go. Well, I guess I'll make a, you know, I'd pretend I have to go talk to him or say there's a copycat killer or something. And I'd go visit him in jail. You know, we'd talk. We'd play, you know, basketball six, seven hours. And I'd come back home, you know, with some Lindor truffles he made me. You know, you get the Hershey chocolate and you'd temper it in there or something like that. It was crazy he, what he did. I probably think making he learned his lesson. Or something. <laughs> he learned not to use murder as a silly marketing tactic. Well, he was using murder as like an excuse to make, you know, decadent chocolates. And it's like, buddy, we got Valentine's Day. He didn't didn't murder anybody. So So why'd why'd you arrest him? Because he said that his chocolates were so sinful and decadent, it was like murder. See, that's what he told me. I go, no, you know, he wouldn't be, you know. You know, uh, Detective Stockwell wouldn't say that. You know, he wouldn't do that. But I guess he was right. Well, Stockwell planted evidence on him, so he was able to get him. Oh, well, that's, you know what? A lot of people don't like that. A lot of people get mad about Gets that. The job done. Here's the thing. Gets the job done. Sometimes you just want to go home. You know, sometimes, sometimes you just got to solve a case. you've had a long day. It's been a long newspaper. case. The guy is probably not that great of a guy. And you know what? You know, some guy at the Everyone, newspaper everyone's says, happy. says, I can't do my job. You know, he says, I can't do my job. I can't find the killer and stuff. Well, here's the and thing. These are, and and, and they're, they're texting me this on a Saturday. Here's the thing. These, like I'm all. These guys want to go to prison. They know they're going to go there eventually. Some of them think they might not go for a while, but they all know where they're headed. They want to get caught. They want to be famous. This guy wanted to be famous for his chocolate. So now he's famous for his chocolate and he went to prison. So he's kind of a martyr. So, you know, it's kind of a win-win for everybody wins. Yeah, he's a bad boy in the chocolate community now. So, so maybe we should talk about. We, I we mean, said to fill a little a chocolate bit. with liqueur is a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's next? I mean, pills? Playing, you gonna put pills? You're in playing there? with fire, there, buddy. And you know me. I mean, I'm. I put some deceronium in my coffee just this morning, but uh, you know, there's a time and a place. And detectives, were, you know, with our job, it's you know high stress. And it's a lot uh, more stressful than making a truffle. You know, we're burning the midnight oil. We're, you know, smoking three packs a day, maybe. You know, we're drinking four pots of coffee a day. 
we need a little bit of something to take the edge off. Yeah, I got a sponsorship from the cigarette company in the same way that like drummers get like a Zildjian sponsorship for their cymbals. Don't know uh, what that is. Well, yeah. you should yeah, you should know because we solved the Zildjian killer last year who was killing people with cymbals. But I was uh, I, I get a free carton a week on vacation. You guys should get a vape. Midge has got a she got a she's got a vape. Of, and it's like cigarette without all the uh, no no tar. Uh, the, I guess it's got none of the no, tar they, in it. Those things will kill you. Oh, they will? Yeah, they explode and whatnot. So, oh well, I'll, I gotta clear. call Midge. I'll you know when I get home, I'll let Midge know because you know I don't like her smoking that thing if it's gonna explode on her and uh, stuff like that and get all in you know shrapnel in the pot roast or whatnot. Uh, did I ever uh, tell you guys that. about the time when I caught the she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes killer? Uh, no, nah, well, you know, I I think that did was... Did you do a stakeout? I, that was the week I was I, in I Orlando. Yes. I think I was in Orlando. Where then. were you in the stakeout? Uh, well, do you want to guess where I found her? Where'd you find her? At the beach. Well, basically, she was coming around the mountain. And ah. that's where I staked out and I, I got her ass. Did you use those binoculars I got you for your birthday? No, I just uh, parked my car across the street and put up those strips that destroy tires, and then I started punching her when I found her. Ah. Oh, that's good, honest police work. That's how you solve cases. A lot of people don't really know how, I guess, we solve cases and what kind of techniques and stuff we use. Uh, As homicide detectives, we're all well-trained, and we all know what to do You know, when we get to a, a, a crime scene. You know, maybe we could we could go and kind of discuss some of our past cases and some of the the techniques we kind of oh, yeah. go over with there uh, 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 to go go for it. Well, you know, I have I, one I, technique that maybe is a little unconventional, but this podcast we're trying to be straightforward and honest. You know, um, sometimes I have a technique where I like to keep some of the evidence if it seems like fun or or kind of like cool to me. Oh yeah, I use that technique as well. Uh, there was a little while ago we had a guy called the Million Dollar Killer. And I couldn't help but keep some of the evidence, honestly. Um, oh, it was I got, a, it was I got a closets of evidence I've kept. Trust me. I took, uh, you know, the million dollar killer. He came, he got life in prison, but he came in wearing those, uh, you know, the, those yellow and one gym shorts. Those like double XL. Oh, yeah. I took those, you know, I, t- I did take those because I thought, you know, they're not going to let him wear, you know, that in jail, you know, because, you know, probably the other prisoners would get jealous and attack him or something like that. And if he's got life, then he's never really going to know I took it. So if you're listening to this in jail, uh, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you know, that I took your gym shorts, but uh, I-, I don't think, uh, you know, I guess... You know, I guess I shouldn't be apologizing because you are a murderer and whatnot. So I guess I have your gym shorts. I'm sorry about what I did, but it just is what it is. You know, another technique this department has started using is that we employ our own white hat serial killer on staff to do good serial killings. Well, he's oh, a, yeah. kind of like a Dexter type of situation, you know? I mean, he, he, he was sent in by the FBI, but he's full time staff. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like, I love McNasty. I always got along with McNasty. Well, you love the FBI. Oh, I love... Yeah. No, those guys are classic. You know, those guys are the real heroes. You a lot always, of people I say... Mean, as you always say, they, you know, get, we, they get stuff done. 
we like to go around and, you know, go to schools as cops and be like, remember, we are heroes and we're always telling people we're heroes. You know, we're trying to take over like Labor Day and make it more about cops and stuff like that. You know, we're, we're going around telling people we're heroes, but, you know, the real heroes are the FBI. You know, they're so well trained. You know, they read books on like criminals. Like I haven't read a single book on a criminal, you know. I almost finished Ender's Game, you know, but I didn't get what the fuck was, you know. I'm sorry, you know. I, oh god, I'm sorry. Uh, we're all friends here. I think you could swear. And you know, I'm doing this. I was saying I accidentally turned on my body cam here, so I'm trying to figure Uh-oh. out how to turn that off because I got ketchup on the lens. For those, of, so the, just, for those of you who don't know, um, if you can't tell, Mundy here is not the greatest at being bad cop when we're doing bad cop, good cop, because oh, he won't, yeah, he won't really. even curse at people. You know, I like He'll to try. shake somebody in their hand, Help you know, regardless him. of what somebody... You know, I pinched him once. I did pinch the Kango killer. Uh, but, you know, I was just so mad at the... You guys remember when I was interviewing the Kango killer? Nobody ever got me as mad as him because he wouldn't tell us why he put them Kangos on his head. And I'm like, why are you going to do something that's going to, you know, make... You know I'm going to ask about the Kango. You know, why did you put a Kangol hat on your victim's head? And he was wearing a Kangol, and according to his lawyer, I couldn't even make him take the Kangol off. So, I, yeah, I pinched him. I pinched him right in the elbow skin. I got that elbow skin good, and he yelped like a dog. And then I looked in the mirror, and I promised I would never do that again. I, I cried all day. All day. Well, I mean... I was a mess. I, I'm sure he, he probably doesn't remember it because, uh, I mean... Feta here. He waterboarded the guy. I can watch. I just can't do it. I don't have the stomach. I can just I I can mean, watch say what, it. Say what you will about the technique, but Stockwell, I mean, he gets the stuff done. I would say he's probably the, the most sadistic of us three. Well, oh, yeah, I would say that waterboarding, the human body is like 80% water. So I would call it basically bodyboarding, which is like a fun thing people oh, do in the I ocean mean, for speaking fun. Speaking of that, right? you remember the boogie board killer? That technique would not work on him. Now, you, which you is know, why we put the, him in the Iron Maiden. You know, when we interrogated him. Well, you know, really, his the thing about the boogie board killer, and I just, you know, I don't want to criticize serial killers because I hate it when like the newspapers will say I'm like a Barney Fife or I'm like a fuck shit fucking hell. I'm I'm that like I'm a mess up police officer that I'm not good at solving crimes or whatnot. So I don't like to criticize them, but the boogie border the boogie board killer's weakness was dry land. And you know, I just I I just don't think, you know, he he planned it well enough, you know. He ended up killing like that that what? That 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 one girl in the lake and he hit her with the head with it and then he didn't know what to do with the body. You know, that guy you know, I'm glad you waterboarded him. I couldn't watch it, but uh, you know, I have no sympathy for a man like that. You know, another defense of waterboarding I just got to get out there is that um, remember that one time we had that Charmander in here who apparently he burned down a bar, killed like 20 guys, and uh, when we waterboarded him, he just turned into a normal lizard. And we yeah, but let he him was go. just a. I mean, he was just a kid. Yeah, that's true. You well, once he that. was a lizard, he was like he can't. I mean, you could have killed it, I guess. You could have killed the lizard. I mean, or the argument that th- that was made is that he didn't know his own power, which I fully agree with, you know? Yeah, I'm not going to judge anybody for, you know, I am a homicide detective, but if you kill 20 people, to me, that's, you know, only God can judge you or like the FBI if they, you know, if it's in their jurisdiction, you know? 
but I can't, you know. You know, that be, even the newspaper and stuff was saying, you know, you know, when are people going to make some progress on this? They're going to arrest that lizard and whatnot. And I was telling the newspaper, like, you guys got to message the FBI, tell them to take over, because I'm not sure, you know, what I legally can or can't do to a lizard. You know, if I can step on it, you know, it can't talk to me, so it can't ask for a lawyer, but can I, like, eat it? Like, I know if I found a lizard at home, I could, like, well, I mean, we Killed don't we don't even it. really deal with mass death tragedies. I mean, imagine if they put us on, you know, nine eleven. You know, we're going to be like, you know, we know what happened. There's I nothing hope they to catch figure. Those nine eleven killers. There's nothing to figure out here. There, there's we know what happened. You know, whereas like a serial killer, it's like he kills someone here, kills someone there, kills someone here. It's just like the end of the chase. It's a little bit more. You know, there's just it doesn't have the same kind of oomph. You know, as serial killers, you know, the mass death stuff, you know, it's all well and fine. It's very sad, but it doesn't really, you know, doesn't not really my back. It doesn't really appeal to me. You know, some some days I got to admit, I wish these dang serial killers would just slow down, you know? It's you like know one I, murder I, I, over I, here, one over there. The next day, it's like, come well, on, buddy. I mean, you know how it is. Like when 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 the, you know we got a low census, you know, it's tough. It's tough. it's like you get that itch. You get that itch. I mean, I'll talk about that later. You know, one of my past cases. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not planning on slowing down anytime soon. And I don't know why they always got to, you know, I don't know why they're always killing people in in the nighttime. You know, it's much harder to see mm-hmm. that. I hate then. it. I hate it when my- I think it's because the night is more evil. But I'm lay. I'll be laying there with Midge, right? And you know, phone rings. Your you feet. Know, you're in the it. recliner. You got your feet up. I mean, I check my, you if know, it's, Monday's it's feet four go o'clock up, in the morning. If Monday's feet go off the ground, he will fall asleep instantly. You know, I have a medical condition called recliner foot, where if I'm in a recliner for more than three hours, I can't walk for the next three hours. Like, you have to ease me into it. So when I fall asleep on there, and then the phone rings, and I, you know, wake up, and, and I answer it, and, and, you know, then I pretend that, you know, Detective Corn or whatever got the wrong number, that, you know, is I'm not there, or that I'm sick. You I do that Chinese voice. You should do it. I, you know, I'll pretend to be Midge and say, well, I don't know, he's on the toilet or something like that, and try to buy myself like another 20 minutes don't send the car yet to get him or whatever you know sometimes i let him know like okay you know i'll come in at five instead of nine but that means i'm going home at one you know that's what that means you Mm -hmm. know so sometimes they'll fight me on it at the station there but you know i don't understand why i can't just you know get these serial killers to you know commit a murder you know 8 a.m. or Sensible something. Sensible hour so of the day. The so I can day. have a bagel. I mean, or that's something. why we drink so much coffee. That's right. Well, that and it's good for you. you well, know, it's we, got, we uh, drink. Nitri- co- Monday likes to spill coffee more than drinks it. Sorry to harass you, bud. Well, you know, I'll be, I, I admit I have to do a lot of coffee stains on my shirts and whatnot. I mean, you but the key is half of the documents in your reports are always, you know, they got coffee stains, a coffee ring from the mug. Ketchup. That's kind you know, of like a, a staple chocolate for you. smears and whatnot. Uh, you know, like a melted Twizzler type of red. But you know, the chief, the chief the never gets mad because you always bring them, you know, Midge's cookies. So, Oh, Midge, she makes these, you know, these, these chocolate chip and almond cookies oh. that will the ones make the macadamia nuts are my favorite too. And the white, and you know what, and you oh, know and what she, else? The chief, he's a plump little Christmas boy, just like uh Mundy here. So he will let anything slide. If he gets some of Midge's cookies, he locks himself in his office for about two hours, and no one is allowed to go in there. 
And you know, I, you know, he goes in with that gallon of milk. I seen him. He got that gallon of milk. He'll put the gallon of milk right on the table next to cookies. He just goes. Now, of course, Mitch's cookies just goes don't need the wild. milk, but it definitely amplifies the experience. There's been plenty of times where I lived off those cookies, especially steakouts. That's like back to the steakouts. We. Oh, I love steakouts. I'll do any steakout. We did the steakout on the roller coaster killer for a week straight outside that theme park. You know, the one, the guy who would wait till it goes through a tunnel to kill someone, you know, and uh, we were taking turns. We were living off of those cookies. We were living off of cotton candy. We were living off of corn dogs. We we're living off of elephant ears, you know, carnival food. And um, I mean, all night we'd be, you know, we try to sleep during the day, but it'd be too hard to sleep because we drink too much coffee. And then so we'd go, we'd walk around the park all day. We'd ride the rides. We'd play the games. Now, I still have that big pink gorilla you won me. And uh, and then at night we drink more coffee and have to stay up all night and it was tough because you know we had to work and we were all well, pooped. My fate- we had fun burn I would say you know we had so much fun during the day that we'd be so exhausted but then we have to stay up and uh, well man. I love working surveillance just because you know Midge will come by every two hours say you boys need anything you want some roast potatoes you want some mashed potatoes you want some like Brussels sprouts and some pork loin or. You know, she just got all kinds of stuff, and you know, she's a fa- she'll she's you know she likes to take care of me. She likes you know she so she'll she'll come by with a big old bowl of spaghetti. You know, I'll eat that while I'm watching or whatnot. You know, it, to me, you know, steakouts are the most fun because you just kind of get to hang out, listen to cool songs on the radio. You know, it's the murders where I have to like you know the the murders bum me out because like I have to go talk to like the surviving victims' family and that's always really depressing. And then you gotta go to some depressing thing about some story that's sad and you know they're all crying and whatnot. And you know it's not fun. You know it's not like fun. You know and that you know it, to me I feel like you know being a homicide detective should be a little fun. You know. You know, maybe we're talking a little too much in the abstract about our work. We haven't really dug in deep to the details to let people know what the real day-to-day is like. Um, so maybe if you guys would allow me, I should. I want to share a story of one of my cases that I recently solved. Um, just to kind of give people an appreciation for what we really do. Is this the, the where you're trying to pitch a book to somebody? No, this is just a couple stories from my, my day-to-day life here. Oh, I got a diary, too. I got some stuff out of my diary I could read, I guess. Oh, sure. Go ahead and... Uh, well, I, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Lay it on, us, Stockwell. All right, well... It was a day just like any other when she walked in. Her name was Loretta Perdue Presley. This was about the 75th time I met her, but every time felt like the first. She walked into my office using her legs, which went all the way up. She'd become a trusted witness for the department after going into protection on the run from the legs killer. But the latest serial killer the department was after was interested in a whole different kind of body part. They called him the body part killer. But when it was decided this was too vague, they changed his name to the thighs killer on account of that was the body part he was after. Loretta told me she heard a rumor about the thighs killer. She was smoking a cigarette in black and white when she told me this. The thighs killer had just struck again, this time at a secluded ranch just outside of town. And Loretta heard a rumor that there was a long trail of blood going from the scene of the crime all the way to the place where the killer was hiding now. 
Nobody from the homicide had bothered to go to the scene of the crime to check it out sooner. This guy had struck so many times, it would be pointless to keep going to his stupid crime scenes and looking at a bunch of junk we were never going to find anyway. Plus, it just made us all sad to be at a crime scene where all this bad stuff had happened. You know, truthfully, we never really went to any of this killer's crime scenes because it was not very fun. But anyway, it seemed like this big trail of blood was probably something to investigate. So I hopped in my Iraq War armored personnel carrier and got on the outbound interstate toward the ranch, shooting and running over and blowing up all the other cars on the highway to shave two minutes off my commute. When I got to the ranch, an old farmer with a six-foot-long stalk of wheat hanging out of his mouth came up to talk. I rolled down the window of my APC and he nearly put my eye out with that dang thing. He said I was about three days too late to help, but the trail of blood was still there. If I followed it, I could probably find the culprit. He said he wished the blood was cleaned up, but the culprit had paid him a bunch of cash on the way out, so he wasn't that upset. I thought it was neat for him, but I had to hurry off and go follow that blood. What I found at the end of the trail was far more sickening than anything I ever could have imagined. It went all the way to a big factory where there were tons of smokestacks and stuff. I parked my armored vehicle and grabbed a very big gun. It was actually so big that it was not considered a military-grade weapon because all the world's militaries agreed it was very impractical for war. Anyway, I went inside to investigate. I walked into what seemed to be some kind of killing floor in a killing factory. There was a big conveyor belt with a bunch of strange creatures on it. They were all squawking and chirping in an alien tongue that only a bird could speak. There was a guy about 50 feet away who seemed to be operating the killing machine and pushing a bunch of buttons, and it was killing all these creatures at an alarming pace. I went over and I punched him right in the face. At last I've got you, you scumbag, or should I say, the thigh killer. What's up? He said. I explained to him about how there's a thigh killer out there, and he said, oh, he's just doing his job of working in the killing factory. His job was to kill these birds called chickens and then chop them up into pieces and sell them to people, sickos, I should say, who wanted to eat them. You sick bastard, I said as I punched him in the mouth. You won't be aiding and abetting the thigh killer anymore where you're going, which is hell. Hell Valley in Japan. They're holding American prisoners there since we've got too many here. And once you get there, they'll send you to hell, the place where the devil lives, because they're going to extrajudicially kill you because it's cheaper than keeping you as a prisoner, you bastard. He said he was just doing his job, and someone else had put him up to it. It was a company called Tyson. All these years, right under the government's nose, Tyson had been murdering and chopping up these small flightless birds known as chickens. It was the perfect crime, until Detective Feta Stockwell was on the case. Okay, you bastard, I said. You're not going to be killing any chickens where you're going. Hell. Hell Valley, that is. He rudely cut me off because I said that part already before, he said. But anyway, I went back to the station to tell the guys about the big killing factory I discovered. I blew up the whole thing with dynamite to make sure they wouldn't ever start killing again. I told the guys that I wanted to tell Loretta Perdue Presley the good news. 
but they said that she had vanished without a trace. Later on, I learned that she was part of the powerful Purdue family, which was known for killing Purdue chickens. Tyson Chicken was apparently a competitor of theirs in the chicken killing business. By blowing up the facility, I did a great service to her family in trying to corner the chicken killing and selling market. Even though the department had a tough time bringing charges against Tyson since I blew up all the evidence, it still felt good to punch that guy a few times and help Loretta with her chicken business. And even more than that, I'd like to think that somewhere there's a chicken out there smiling at me because he didn't have to get eaten now. Well, I don't know if about if, if you know the chicken stuff. Like, it's not wrong to eat a chicken, so like I don't. Think but it's wrong to kill t- one. Yeah, but a chicken can't smile anyway. It doesn't have teeth or lips, so it just kind of opens its mouth. Yeah, I don't or think a doesn't. chicken has souls. I don't think there's a soul in that. I, you know, I I'm a small town feller, and I killed a you know bunch of chickens in my day. I can tell you right now, they don't have oh, no soul. You know, they don't even really fight that much when you you know twist their neck around or whatever. They're just kind of like there. Well then, how? Come- but I guess that's good that you stop. Well, I guess he wasn't really, you know, wasn't really killer. So, well, how come they make blood though if they don't have a soul? Isn't blood like the? Um, it's like the motor fuel of the soul. If it was like an engine, you know. You know, I'll have to ask Midge about that. I don't remember that. I'm gonna see what she says. Just, just if blood thinks it's a soul. I or think whatnot. that was in the Bible where Jesus is telling everyone how basically the soul's like a car, and you got to get maintenance, and you got to put the blood in it for the oil. Yeah, but even that guy, the feller that took them coins, he lost his soul and got coins instead as part of the deal. Well, at so least I no, punched that guy who was working there. Maybe it got, made him get a better job. I might have helped him get a more steady career. You know, maybe ha- helped him get some perspective on things. Maybe he could realize what, you know, maybe work isn't the only thing. You know, that's the way I kind of look at it, that work is, you know, work and, you know, is, is different from your personal life. You got to really pick one or the other. Well, I mean, I, you know, we disagree on that. I think work is everything with what we do, especially, you know, I'm unmarried. I have no kids. I have my cat, Saint, as you know, and uh, I live alone and, you know, I'm mostly working. If I'm not working, I'm working on something else. Honestly, a, a serial killer already killed my future wife, so there's no point in looking now, you know? Well, I understand where your guys is coming from, but I got Midge at home, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to make Midge a priority and whatnot, you know, so I can come home and I can drink a beer with her and we can watch Wheel of Fortune and Price is Right and Big Bang Theory and we can, you know, have ourselves a good night. You know, I, I you guys are out there trying to bust cases and whatnot. And me, I kind of have a, a, a different approach than you guys. Do. Oh, you're I'm more not- about a case of beer than a case of homicide. Well, I'm I'm more of a you know I I got a process uh, when I go from crime scene to crime scene that I I like to kind of go over you know I get to a crime scene I like to look at it you know that's the first thing I do uh, I'll take a look at all the clues I'll take a look at all the bodies and the blood and see if there's any like you know I'll get out the light and I'll see if there's any cum you know if you f- can find some cum it'll usually be you know I hate to I guess what's the medical word is you know sperms or whatever some so i look for the sperms at the crime scene and you all know if you found a sperm it's gonna be pretty easy to solve it well, most you know, people most don't find a sperm i think that most people's idea of um a sperm is actually a whole pile of them yeah they find yeah, like they're gonna jizz. find a whole pile of you if you you never found i've never found one sperm like kicking around i found a lot of piles mm, of sperm i mean maybe uh one of our friends stains, guys has found, found some, a, some, some a single sperm, sperm stains you know 
But, uh, you know, I think they'd have to get under a microscope to tell if it, you know, what sperm it is. But I think they figure out what the sperm is with chemicals. and like now, This is one thing I, I never understood, you know, with these serial killers is I know they got a lot of psychosocial stuff going on. I mean, they're killing people. Not great. But like, do they got to do it there? Can they yeah, just wait like, till later? Like, wait till you go home. We can match a sperm to the penis the same way we can match a bullet to a gun. And they're still out there firing, you know, there's. You know, come, you know, I hate to say it like that. I, you know, Midge would kill me if she heard me say it, but that's what they're doing. They're shooting cum into brick walls. They're shooting it in the floor on clothes. They're shooting it in cars before they burn them up and stuff. Like, there's a lot of sick owls out there, you know, and they be, you know, they don't realize that, you know, if they just kept their sperm to themselves, that probably they wouldn't get caught for a lot of these murders, you know. But anyway, after I look at all the crime scene, I usually go into my van, I'll take a nap, I'll go to fast food, I'll get some Taco Bell, I'll sit there, you know, I'll go visit some people, you know, I'll get some free coffee at the gas station, I'll go to Dunkin' Donuts, they'll usually give me a Long John or something like that, you know, then I'll, you know, I'll go to a couple different gas stations around town, I'll get some scratchers, you know, next thing I know, it's seven hours later, and I've been thinking about the case all day, and something just kind of comes to me, you know, that's kind of my, my process. You know, maybe it'd be a good time for me to get, I got, uh, you know, a, a entrant here in my diary uh, from, you know, probably my biggest success story is when I caught the six o'clock killer. Uh, oh, I wow. wrote this up because I was applying to the Hard Rock. I, was, I wanted to work security at the Hard Rock. I was saying in two years, I'm going to, you know, be able to get my pension and retire. And I'd love to come, you know, down to the Hard Rock. And I'd love to see, you know, Sting's jackets. I'd love to see, you know, Fonzie's, you know, various jeans and whatnot. So, you know, I was sending a letter to the Hard Rock and I was bragging about this. So I wrote all this up. I was wondering if I could read it here. Oh, go ahead. How I Caught the Six O'Clock Killer by Detective Marvin Mundy. The time was 5.58, April 3rd, 2022. The California sun was starting to tilt down low, bathing the majesty of three pumpkins in a golden light, and I was on the way home to my baby. By baby, I mean wife, who is an adult, and I just call her the name baby. That's the one thing you need to know about me. I always make it home by 6 p.m. Always. That's the secret to having a great marriage. You can't have a great marriage and also be a great detective. And at the end of the day, being a homicide detective is just a job. No different than being a dishwasher or an astronaut or something like that. Personal time's important. So just as I pull into my driveway, my f cell phone rings. I look at it inside. I leave it in my car ringing and I go inside. I walk inside and Midge comes out in her big pink curlers, gives me a kiss on the cheek. Her leg goes up in the air as she does it. She guides me to my big recliner, brings me a big old plate of cooked up ground beef, and puts on our favorite show, Wheel of Fortune. A few blissful minutes go by. One of the puzzles looked like it might be a racial slur, but it wasn't. And suddenly there's a knock on my door. My wife turns off the TV and all the lights. Outside, I can see the flashing red and blue lights. You know, they say the work of a detective is never done, but to me, it's done at 6 p.m. After a few minutes, they pretend to leave, but I know that trick. They just said, okay, bye, really loud, and then they stomped around at the front door pretending to turn around. So I waited in the dark for a few more minutes, and they start pounding on the door, trying to guilt trip me, saying it's my job to investigate crimes and that they know I'm here. Suddenly, uh, y'all know Detective Corn. Detective Corn rolls into my house from a window. You know, I pretended that I was sleeping, and he just woke me up now. He gets in my face. He says, Detective Monday, 
There's been a murder. We need your help. Time is of the essence. We got one witness, but she isn't talking yet. There's three dead on the train tracks. It's a sick scene. Listening to a detect to the detective, all of a sudden I had a divine revelation. Help? Time? Witness? Sick? Eureka. I knew what I had to do. I looked at my wife and nodded. She smiled a sad, understanding smile and nodded back. I burst into action. I immediately rolled on the ground and made the most anguished expression I could ever make. And I said, I'm sick. I can't go. I'd love to go, but I'm so fucking sick. I feel like I'm going to die if I move. If I go to the crime scene, I'm afraid I'm going to ralph a bunch of pig DNA everywhere and mess it all up. And also, I got to go number two in a way that bothers everyone there on a metaphysical level. I'm so fucking sick, dude. You better solve this one without me. And I'm rolling around crying on the carpet, and Detective Corn was undeterred. He looked at me and frowned. He goes, I'm sorry you're sick, Monday, but you might want to take a look at this. The killer, he asked for you personally. He handed me a page out of a notebook. It was smeared with blood. And at the top of the page, it reads, Monday, you think you're hot shit, but you'll never solve this crime. Come and find me. Signed, the six o'clock killer. Well, I frowned as I read it. Looks like Detective Corn wasn't buying that I was sick. So uh, I decided it was finally time to really spring into action and stop messing around. Time to do what had to be done. And I say, Detective Corn, I'm going to go with you. Just let me go down to the basement first. And and then I threw myself down the stairs to the basement as hard as I possibly could. I'm rolling. I'm rattling. I'm hearing my bones pop in and out of me, in and out of place as I hit every stair on the way down. Detective Corn and my wife came rushing down to check on me, but this time I was pretty messed up. There is no way they're going to let me investigate a crime like this. Yeah, it looks like another W for the good guys. Corn frowned, helped carry me back up to the couch, and then he began to leave. He said, listen, Mundy, the killer asked for you by name. He probably knows where you live. We can't spare any guys to protect you because we need them to solve the murder case that you won't. And I said, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't right now. Corn left. Me and my wife had a wonderful dinner and even guessed the final puzzle on Wheel of Fortune correctly. We had a few glasses of wine, laughed and chatted all night and then settled into bed. Suddenly I spring awake in the middle of the knife, in the middle of the night. I hear a rapping on my window. Not rapping in the way that Yellow Wolf does it, but rapping in the way that that bird did in that Edgar Allan Poe thing. Someone was outside my window. I grabbed my gun off the nightstand. I knew what I had to do. I immediately fired a few rounds outside my window to scare whoever it was off, and then I went back to bed. The next morning, I wake up to tons of commotion. Sirens, police everywhere, 114 missed calls on my cell phone, half the department trying to knock down my front door. I walk outside and I see three guys standing over a lifeless corpse. And who was this corpse? Well, my friends, it was the six o'clock killer with a bullet hole right between his eyes. Yep, that's right. In the middle of the night, shooting randomly into the darkness, I solved that case once and for all. And even better, I didn't piss off my wife at all in order to do it. So that's my biggest success story, how I caught the six o'clock killer. You know, if I had a nickel for every time a case was solved with a bullet. Textbook. I could be the million dollar killer, you know? That's what I said about my technique. It's not like everyone's else, but I do get results some of the time that I attempt to do I mean, it's textbook Monday. It's textbook Monday. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? And you know what? Money always gets his guy. Well, you know, I've missed a lot of them. I'm going to be honest. I've missed a lot of guys. You know, I missed a lot of guys. I've sent a lot of wrong guys to jail. You know, I I, I constantly say, you know, it's a copycat killer. It's a copycat killer. But I'm pretty sure the Kangol killer is still out there. I mean, I don't want to say it out loud, but. I mean, to say nothing of this easy to catch killer, we can't seem to find this guy. Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can catch people. I mean, we've kind of consolidated you know, where to bring some of the guys. I mean, we hit, we go and we go, we just drink at bar fights. And oh, uh, I love going to bar fights. That's the smartest thing the police department ever did was buying that place. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a great place after work. It makes work easy even when you're working. You could just go there for work, you know? You know, we decided you hang that around we're gonna, long enough. You know, there's a, a problematic place in town, bar fights, where there's always crime. There's always stuff going on. Well, why doesn't the police department just buy it? And just wait outside with a gun, shooting all the bad people that come out of it. It's worked out pretty well for yeah, us. Yeah, we we have serial killer nights on Tuesdays, which I mean, first of all, they're a good deal, two for one well drinks, um, and then also it helps us catch a lot of serial killers. And you know, even though they did have those well drinks, went from three forty five to now they're five dollars, which you know it doesn't seem like a lot of a difference doing a dollar fifty five. But if you look at the percentage of that, we're talking almost a third of the price just increased. Which yeah, five dollars is pretty good for well prices. But you know, I'm not going to go kiss anybody's asses when they kind of raise the prices thirty three percent on me. You know, so I wasn't happy about that at, 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 at you know at, at, at bar fights. You know, the chicken fingers, too. It's like, you know, they they used to give five of them in the basket. Did you know those You're chicken fingers are four. made out of birds that someone killed? Yeah. They yeah. got cereal killed. Well, yeah, I knew that chickens had to be killed to be yeah, eaten. They're, they're chickens. I thought we are supposed to solve crimes like that, and here we are, right under our own roof at bar fights, just serving them up. It's not a crime to really well, kill we're, a chicken. We're We're concerned with, like, human bodies. Stockwell, where the chickens are yeah, legal, they're I think legally some of those killed. Humans, I think some of those chickens were human when I saw them on there on that what? conveyor belt. A chicken can't be a human. Are you talking about like metaphorically, like they reminded you of the human condition? Or are you no, talking I just about mean like when they're squawking? Think? When they're squawking, it sounded like they're saying, "Hey, hey, hey, you!" You'd have to hear it to know what I mean. But like some of their squawks kind of sounded like words to me. So you thought the chickens on the conveyor belt was squawking at you? Well, they were squawking. I think they were talking and squawking to me. You know what? I think you need. I think you need to take a little time off from work. I think you need to go down to Walt Disney World. I think you need to find a nice girl that cooks you a nice square meal. You know, a nice a lot of brown food, a lot of roasts. You know, I think I think you, you'd be a little bit more content. I think you would be. Well, yeah, maybe can, once every last killer is in jail. They'll yeah, let you know, stock while we're married to the job. You, you go down to Magic Kingdom. And you can hug Goofy. It's free. And it costs a little bit if you want to use their cameras to take a picture. But nobody says you can't have your wife wait outside the log flume and and take a picture of you so you can put it on your social media site. Nobody said you can't do that. You just say if you want the good picture, you got to pay $22.95. I don't think I could let my guard down in a situation like that, knowing that the Goofy killer is still on the loose. And And, he's probably going to return to the scene of the crime. Wait, where was the scene of the crime on the Goofy? Was that the he's going to return to Disney World? Yeah. I don't know if that's really in our jurisdiction. So when I go to Disney World, I see somebody well, commit they a crime. I don't say nothing. I they don't have, talk they to They have nothing. their own police. They have their own detectives. I that's actually, true. 
went to detective school with the guy who works there now. You know, I don't it even is, like arresting people the in my killer. own jurisdiction. Yeah, it is etiquette among homicide detectives to not interfere in each other's work. If I see a serial killer serial killing, I'm not going to say a peep about it. I'm not a snitch. You know, to me, I'm, on va- I'm not going to give... If somebody falls down sick, I'm not going to give them CPR. I'm on, I'm on vacation. You know what I mean? Midge would kill me if I if somebody's you know having a heart attack and I stopped to do CPR she'd roll her eyes so much I know the second we got back to the house she'd get, she'd let me have it you know she'd let me have it say we're never going to go hug Goofy again You're, I'm never going I had to go all the way out there take a picture of you on the log flume and for what for you to do some work you know if there so was no a thanks. train if there was a train in front of me and I was on vacation. And there was two tracks, and one had like five people on the track, and one had one person on the track. Not only would I not redirect the train toward the fewer people, I would let the train run over the more people and then reverse over the other guy, and I wouldn't do anything. Well, the first is, am I on the clock? What time is it? Am I working at the time where the train's coming? No, you're not working. You're on vacation. And then I'm not touching it. I'm not. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep going to, you know... Or, you know, get, go to Bahama Joe's or whatever and get margaritas or something with my wife. I'm and not going to stop. Tri- here's and- the trick, actually. All those people who are tied to the tracks, all of them were serial killers. So actually, we were doing our jobs by not doing anything because now those serial killers are dead. Like they should well, be. Well, actually, if I was doing my job, Midge would be mad at me because she said that's the only way we're going to Disney World. Found it. You don't have to answer your phone, talk about any kind of hypothetical, strange, thematically based serial killers. We're just going to have a good time in Disney World. You know, so if I do my job, then I'd, I've done it wrong. I've done it incorrectly. Man, this easy to catch killer. He's he's really getting to me here. I can't stop thinking about him. But you know, maybe yeah, well, uh, uh, detective maybe we, detective Mariner. Do you have any stories you want to uh, share from your your work? Well, you're just talking about jobs, and uh, it reminded me of one case a little while back, not too long ago. But uh, yeah, so there is this one case. This one I worked alone. This case was called Heaven Comes Late. It was the end of the summer. Murder season was winding down with very little to no cases. I was working my side hustle as a PI, doing odd jobs for insurance companies and snapping pictures of philanderers. Playground stuff. It was good for a bit of pocket money. Some of it had the juice, but it had no pulp. I was still thirsty. For now, the well had dried up. That is until one evening I got a call. I was in my office writing up an overview of a boat fraud case I had just wrapped up. Easiest job of my life. I might as well have been writing about hopscotch. I just poured the last of the Joe into my cup and it was pouring rain outside the window. Phone rang. Her voice was soft but firm, like the perfect bed. She told me her name was Clarissa DeBoer. She lived in Pumpkin Harbor where her family had an estate. She told me she wanted me to find who killed her sister, Lenora Headley. She confided to me that her sister, or she confided to me that herself and Lenora's husband, Stanwell Headley, had been having an affair for the past year and had become very close. They were just broken up at the death of Lenora, to whom Stanwell had been married for five years. He had worked for the boat company that Lenora's family owned, the very same company that Lenore was there to. Lenore had fallen off a boat six months before. She was apparently intoxicated and was caught in a riptide. <clears throat> the police had closed their investigation just after a week, saying that it was a drunken accident 
in that Lenora was a known lush. Clarissa and Stanwell weren't so sure. At first, I was hesitant. What kind of deal was this broad setting up? I gave her a sizable quote for my fee, thinking I'd be off the hook. And she tells me she would give me double if I took the job. I hadn't caught a body in weeks, and pretty soon I'd have to be feeding my cat dry fruit. Saint, he won't take it. No can do. I needed the De Niro. When I arrived in Pumpkin Harbor, I was taken in by the beauty of the seaside villas, the busy ports, the restaurants, the boats, massive white sails, yachts of the finest quality, many of them inscribed with the DeBoer trademark on the side. It didn't matter who you were here. If you were here, you had money, especially the DeBoer family. I went to the captain of the boat Lenore died on. The boat was named Heaven's Baby. His name was Captain Elias Greer. A haggard yet handsome man. He had been working on the DeBoer boats for the past 40 years. He told me they had security cameras on the yacht and that he saw tapes from the evening of the party, the same evening Lenora died. He told me he had offered to show the police, but they told him it was already clear what happened and that it wasn't necessary. When I saw the footage of Lenora drunkenly dancing next to the railing and go ass over elbows into the drink, I knew what I had to do. I had to destroy that tape. And you know what? I never did. When I mentioned I kept evidence, I still got that tape. Can I borrow it? Does that it is you just still have Yeah, I got the tape. What, what's the on the tape? That's Lenora. She's falling off the boat. So it wasn't a crime? No, it was an accident. She just got wasted and Yeah. But well, I, I thought I, we was talking I, about solving crimes. Well, I I solved the crime of knowing for sure that she actually fell off the boat. She wasn't murdered. And I have the I took the video so that her family wouldn't be embarrassed by it. So, you know, well, Clarissa ow. and her husband, Stan, are happy now knowing that they can put it to bed and that she actually did fall off the boat while drunk. Well, I know we're supposed to catch like another serial killer, but maybe we could watch that video a couple times in a row or something. Maybe order some lunch or something before we kind of get going on this. Well, I mean, anything to procrastinate. Well, I wanted to make some chili earlier. I didn't know if we was going to have time, you know, if I could get like a block three or four hours to just make some chili for the station. Well, why don't we just have cigarettes for lunch? Well, I uh, really you know, Monday, Monday doesn't really I'm, like smoking. We like smoking. You know, I'm not really well, a tough kind of the way I'm not I like see one it, of you tough guys, you know. The tobacco plant is a plant. It's really just a vegetable chili that you can smoke. Well, I, I guess I never really thought of it like that. But a you know, cigarette if I come is home like chili. Like, you could have been a writer. Yeah, see, it's got tobacco plant in there, and then a bunch of chemicals. That's it's kind, kind of, of like spicy the beans or in a way. Yeah, you put oh, hot heat on it toasted. to light it. Yeah. All right. Wait a second. Well, wait, wait, wait. Look gonna... out the window. Look out the window out there. Do you see that guy walking down the street? Yeah. Is that well, who's that? He's got well, look blood at this on his photo. hands. I think it's the easy to catch killer. I think that's him. Wait. What's that say on his T-shirt? It says, I am a serial... Hmm. I can't I mean, really make out. I couldn't make out after the K, so... It's it probably hurt. nothing. I just think it's probably nothing. Well, yeah, I'm going to keep watching him for I a mean, minute here. It probably wouldn't hurt to pinch him, put him in the lineup, maybe. Wait, what's know, he doing? Just... Wait, what's he doing at that bus stop over there with that guy who's waiting for the bus? Looks he's like he's taking a out a knife. Back. Oh, yeah. Well, <gasps> you know, maybe he needs like an onion cut or something. Oh, maybe. Let's let's wait and see if the guy pulls out an onion. 
Oh, I can't oh. really. Oh know, no, he's I, stabbing the guy. Oh, he's, he's going him. for him. I'm I'm more nearsighted. Wait, so someone get your phone like, out. Well, I'm gonna get my gun out, and I guess they I'm could be filming. Get your, get your they phone, could be filming phone, a film movie it. out there. It could be part kind of, of a movie. Squinting out there, you know. I, I'm, I'm I'm more nearsighted. Okay, if no, you one, got closer. If no one's got their phone. I guess take your gun out. Just I think you can get them from here. Well, I'm sort of nearsighted, so hold on. I'm I'm kind well, of like going through there. I don't think we have probable cause. Can we get somebody? Well, he's killing a guy. That's probable cause. All right, hold on. This is a rolly chair. I can just shoot through the window. Just shoot out the window. We'll get a new window. All right, but just promise me I won't have to clean it up. Oh, actually, I just got an email. It says, easy to catch killer at Gmail. He said, I am going to kill someone outside the police station today. He finished killing the guy. Now he's just staring straight at us. Oh, he's hold just on. looking I'm going to shoot us. him. I just, I had uh, a drop. He's got to be pranking us, right? No guys, I'm just dumb. gonna be careful, or whatever, because I don't, you know, if we have to investigate and interrogate him, so I'm just gonna. Yeah, we should be cautious. On the, on the and count kill of him. three, I'm just going to three. Let's all, wait, let's all shoot him on the count of three, so we don't know who did it. Uh, all right, I did okay. not have shooting in my uh, bingo card today. All right, well, all right, here we right. go. You want? You ready? And three, he's just waiting for us right there. Two, two, two. Goose, 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 goose,